0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished professional, a fellow alumni of the same business school that I am from, Snehal Ponde from Singapore. Snehal, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Ashutosh. Wonderful to be here.
0: Thank you. Snehal is a life and career coach. She's an author. She's an author of a book titled, Don't Ask Me How I'm Doing. And as I had mentioned, she's a fellow alumni from the Jamnalal Bajaj Institute of Management (laughs) Studies. It's another thing that she's about 22 years uh, after I finished my uh, MBA. So Snehal, before we get into anything else, tell me a little bit about your own journey.
2: So Ashutosh,
1: um, I have been born and brought up in Mumbai, I uh, spent almost 37 years of my life there. Um, I did my engineering in terms of my education, I did my mm-hmm. engineering to make my parents happy, mm-hmm. uh, because I knew n- no better at that time. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I did my MBA in HR to make myself happy, I think it mm-hmm. was the best decision I could have taken for myself. Okay. Uh, professionally, I have almost 13 years of corporate HR experience. Um, In 2019, uh, we got the opportunity, my husband and I to move to Singapore. And uh, it was like our next big adventure, three years married, we were recently pregnant with our first baby. And uh, we thought, why not? Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, I was diagnosed uh, during lockdown in August of 2020, just after delivery uh, with metastatic, that is stage four breast cancer, Mm -hmm. where the cancer had spread to my lungs, my liver and my bone. Um, from then till date, I'm still undergoing treatment, I'm still not cancer free. Uh, the reason I talk about this as part of my journey is, I think, because the last three years have uh, brought me down to my knees have been one of the most humbling experiences for me and life changing.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: there's a lot, you know, that you when you speak about the book that I've co-authored, or, you know, what I am right now, is actually uh, post cancer and something I never thought I would be doing in life are things I do right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So
2: yeah, Amazing. That's,
0: Amazing. yeah. that's And you know, um, we'll talk a little bit about cancer but I also want to mention that uh, Singapore is probably one of the best places to be in. I mean, I lost my youngest brother and I lost my middle brother's wife both to cancer in Singapore okay. but the treatments was outstanding and they were uh, but we'll talk about that some other time. But you know, before we get into your journey um, further, uh, when I was reading about you, you talk about your mantra, which is, we are stronger than our struggles. Help me understand this.
1: Uh, so yes, it is my affirmation. Uh, because I feel I've lived it. Um, so Ashutosh, actually, if you go to see all of us face challenges in life, right, and they will come in different
2: sizes. Right.
1: But you know sometime in your life some of us face these mount everest of challenges right where we feel we are done for we are you know and that's what i felt when i had cancer especially stage 4 mm. um i felt i was going to die mm. that's it and that that brings in a, a very primal animal instinct right. you know of flight or freeze and i and i froze i remember i froze at that point of time just thinking either i have to get better you know i will be treated or i will die either ways and i just thought i need to just stay this way i just mm-hmm. need to stay frozen in time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and play the waiting game and i thankfully i had the right people by my side who believed that you know i can't be like that i needed to change i needed to do something about it i needed to so- do something actually beyond it mm-hmm. like treatment could not be the only focus in my life and i think thanks to them and you know i think all of us we hear about these miracles that humans can achieve, like this indomitable human spirit. Everything. Something in me changed thanks to the people in my life. And uh, I stopped playing that game. And I clearly remember, you know, I was in therapy for some time. And my counselor once asked me, I was one year down from my diagnosis. And she just told me, why don't you reflect on the year gone by? What has changed? Mm. And that's when this mantra actually came to me because I, I really felt that I had gone from, I am going to die to, let's try this out or let's try that out. And uh, I think I'd emerged stronger than my pain and the challenge that, you know, I thought I couldn't surpass at that point.
0: Amazing, amazing. So you did tell me a little bit about how you felt when you were diagnosed. How did you build the strength and the resilience to fight it?
1: It's very interesting, you speak about strength and resilience to fight and not my treatment. (laughs) But uh,
0: well, I'm absolutely (laughs) certain you'll be well and we'll be doing another... Conversation with you when Absolutely. you're cancer free.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so, yes, um, you know, um, Ashutosh, somebody very early on had told me uh, that cancer is a mind game. And at that time, I thought this person had lost it. You know, I didn't really understand what that meant. But for many of us, it does happen where these sort of challenges can plague your life mm. to a greater degree than actually what the disease requires. Right, And your mind can play huge amounts of tricks on you. So I had gone into this complete negative zone. Mm -hmm. right? And I, you know, it was, was my resilience built overnight? No. And not without help. Mm -hmm. You know, and I truly had to understand that I needed help. And I had to accept help without feeling it made me weak. Mm -hmm. So I think two things helped at that point of time. One was obviously the people in my life. And I'm very grateful for, you know, it was this small group of people who were you know, day in, day out, try to make my life better for me. And uh, the second was, I remember working on this vision board.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the reason I made this vision board is because I didn't see a future. Mm-hmm. I was uncertain if I was going to live, I was uncertain if I, if I you know, even if I lived, would I be debilitated?
2: Mm-hmm. Would I
1: be bedridden for life? Mm-hmm. What would be the impact? So there's so much of uncertainty at that point in my life. And there still is, honestly. But at that time, when I created this vision board, just the simple question of what kind of life do I see myself living, which I will be proud of. Mm. And when I saw what I had made, I truly thought it was worth the fight. That I do want to live this life. Amazing. Snehal 2.0. Yep.
0: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: so yeah, that pretty much helped me.
0: Absolutely. And uh, you did. You mentioned that you know your family supported you a lot. Uh, what was some of their early reaction? Then what kind of support did you get?
1: So I think for all of us, our earliest reaction was shock, mm. uh, frankly, because there is no history of any sort of cancer in my immediate family. Mm. I'm the first. So it, it was pretty much like, how the hell did this happen? Um, but uh, I think the support I received was unwavering. Um, my husband has been my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. I call him my uh, betal, from mm-hmm. you know the ghost who sits mm-hmm. on the king's head mm-hmm. and advises or gives him moral of the story. So, while it's irritating to receive it from your husband, sometimes you need it. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need that little push in <laughs> life, you know, yes. to do something. Yes, so he's been that. My in-laws pretty much stopped their life for us. Uh, my mother-in-law was with me for two years um and my father in law was all alone in india because my baby was very small when we were detected he was only 4 months old
2: mm.
1: so they and the only thing they told us was as long as you need her there she will be there with you and that i mean <laughs> it was uh, a blessing for us honestly I and i think uh, also you know, these the friends who come together for you. Now, it's not easy for them, because they don't understand what you need. Frankly, you don't know what you need. Correct. You know, if, if somebody says something to you, you will take it as if they're pitying you or they're being sympathetic, but they might not be, they might mm. be coming from a very different space. So mm. all of us were learning to be with each other, and what I needed from them. So it was this beautiful ecosystem, honestly, that came together for me. Mm. And in a way that I wanted them to be there,
0: mm.
1: not in the way that they thought was best.
0: Well said, well said. The other question that I've often asked uh, a lot of people, um, and I've spoken to many people who have uh, been through this challenge. Why don't people want to talk about cancer? I mean, it's it's another disease.
2: Yeah.
1: So I've come across different types of people. Um, one are who've never been impacted by it. And if you, you're not impacted by it, you don't know much about it, and you don't have an opinion on it. Correct right if you if somebody gets a heart disease then their family will find out everything they would need to about the heart disease right so there are these sorts of people the second are people who are afraid of it
2: mm.
1: frankly because it makes you realize the mortality and the fragility of life right mm. finally there is something which we don't know how it hits and we don't know if there is a cure mm. so anything like that they will be afraid to even talk about it mm. and the third is something that you know uh, 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 about 12 of us that who have co-authored the book, we've spoken about it, you know, the misconceptions sometimes that can be there. Mm -hmm. People are afraid to talk because they feel it might impact their job chances, their, you know, growth opportunities, it can impact dating, Mm -hmm. especially for young adults who get it, it can impact marriage, Mm -hmm. it can impact fertility. So there's sometimes lack of knowledge, sometimes misconceptions. And I have to tell you this, that uh, I've actually uh, put it up uh, uh, Recently, I made a trip to India.
2: Mm.
1: And a friend of mine, whom I'd never met uh, till, you know, since my diagnosis, she just looks at me and she's like, you look fine. Mm. And I remember just thinking to myself, yes, <laughs> one more misconception, how does cancer look?
0: <laughs> I know, absolutely right. You know, but I'm so grateful Snehal, that you was willing to speak and you've spoken to me at such length about this, because this is the kind of education that is needed for people. One more question now relating to cancer, which is that based on all your own journey. would um, you have any advice for people who are facing similar challenges?
1: Yeah, so um, the first thing would be, uh, be kind to yourself.
2: Mm.
1: The fact that any sort of mind or body illness is hitting mm. you. It's yeah. like literally your body screaming, give me attention. Yeah. And you know the important thing is we always say that I want to get better for my child. I want to get better for my friends. Mm. You don't need to get better for anybody but yourself. Correct. The the I mean however it might sound uh bad but people move on. Mm. Absolutely. You you want to be there. You mm. want to be a part of their life. It's your own selfish need. So put yourself first for that. Don't yes. put other people ahead well said and i think second would be financials mm. it can be a huge huge financial burden yeah um so it's it's always good to you know have that sort of medical insurance and save for a rainy day uh, so i think these two
0: very well said well said so now let's move to uh, coaching um what made you decide to move into to become a coach
1: So actually, I'd started this journey in 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just something that I thought would help me in my career. Mm -hmm. But I never really saw it through at that point of time, for whatever reason. I think I just got busy with work and and things. When I finally reinitiated this journey in 2021, um, it was from the perspective of giving back. You know, something like what you're doing. It was about just making a difference. Frankly, because I saw the impact the right support at the right time can have on, you know, how I like, for example, the way I was supported Mm -hmm. exactly at the right time and the way that they people supported me, it helped me move towards a better mental state. It helped me look at the challenge in a very different way. It helped me do things which I naturally wouldn't have done if I wouldn't have received the support. Mm So that kind of partnership, if I'm able to provide somebody it it you know it's 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 a wonderful opportunity for me to do something and to make a difference in this world, even a tiny drop. Yeah. So that's why I took it up well at uh, this point.
0: And uh, you know, given your own background, your own amazing experiences, how have your experiences in your background supported your coaching philosophy, your style, and your values?
1: Uh, so I think. Uh, the first thing about in terms of my coaching philosophy, and that's also the reason my mantra comes into play because mm-hmm. a lot of like, you know, many of us believe that what do I do about this? I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, when often clients come to you. Correct. But, uh, and a lot of people actually who come to me come to me with transitions in life. Either they're going through a major life transition or they are going through a career transition. Mm-hmm. And when such transitions are at play, the first thing is that, uh, You don't know how to do it and you're pretty much stuck. Mm. Right. So, the fact that, you know, somehow I was able to go through that journey Mm. and how I was supported really helps me understand how I need to support them.
2: Mm.
1: And coaching is not about you as Mm. a coach, right? It's about the way they need the partnership. Correct. So, uh, it's just about partnering with them in the right way, understanding like you need to put a mirror to them. Mm. The second thing I think that impacts my philosophy is the person going into the transition and the person mm. coming out of the transition can be different. Correct. And you have to know how you have changed. Are you moving towards darkness? Or are you moving towards light? Right. And sometimes that awareness itself can fuel your next few steps. So it's, it's almost like saying I will be there with you through this phase, but how will you be there for yourself through the phases going ahead? Mm you know, so it, it it just make because right now, I don't need the support. They supported me at a time, but now I need to do it on my own, right? The right. journey is mine. So yeah. that's how I want people to be sustained uh, momentum towards the direction mm. that they want to go into. That's my Absolutely.
0: philosophy. Fascinating. Great response. Thank you. The, the other thing, uh, Snail, is that, you know, most of us um, have people who influence us in our lives, you know, uh, families, um, elders, senior colleagues, etc. Cetera, et cetera. My question to you is how have people influenced you and how are they supporting uh, your coaching uh, work?
1: So I think my first few, the most important influences I can think of were my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was a kidney patient for about 20 years of her life. She also went through dialysis, she went through a kidney wow. transplant, the works. And somehow, very unconsciously, I feel I've imbibed a lot of her traits in me, Mm -hmm. the way I saw her resilience, the energy that she had, the attitude she had towards uh, her challenge. Mm -hmm. um, It was almost a training ground for me, I feel. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think the second would be my father and my husband as the primary caregivers. Mm -hmm. And that again, brings me to uh, coaching, right? Because about how I was supported or my mom was supported, Mm -hmm. and the way uh, they supported us and that's why i'm also a caregiver coach because i realized how important it is even for the caregiver's mental well-being true, true. and often they get sidelined in true. this entire journey right everybody asks about the patient or absolutely nobody talks about the caregiver and actually they have to make a lot of decisions in life true you know uh, so my my husband does all the research because i stopped doing research mm. uh, fairly early
2: mm. so
1: um, so yeah i think that is the way and the way they help me in terms of my coaching is coaching is I think motherhood, cancer, and career, all three uh, somehow have to coexist.
2: Hmm.
1: So, uh, I think they come, you know, they help me in areas that I need at the right time. When I'm not being able to be there for my child, somebody else is able to be there. Right? When I'm bedridden, I know my child is taken care of or my Hmm. home is taken care of. So, Hmm. it's all a juggle which, uh, you know, these people really help me with.
0: Amazing. So I've got a couple of questions on coaching that I want to talk about your book a little more. Uh, Still, I want to get your perspective on how does culture impact coaching? You know, you and I are both uh, Indian uh, or people of Indian origin. And uh, there is generally a tendency amongst uh, I've seen is that I don't want to talk about my work, let my work talk about itself. And I've often discussed this with many people. I want to get your perspective on how does culture impact coaching?
1: Um, So culture impacts beliefs, Hmm. right? To a large extent, a lot of the beliefs and the value systems we hold has something to do with the cultural context we come from.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Um, And coaching is always done at the belief level, at least for long lasting change. Hmm. So uh, as a coach, I have to be cognizant about the beliefs that I bring to the table Hmm. and the client holds right and not get biased by either mm. right and just and the second is about helping them understand what uh, beliefs are they holding which could be probably culturally uh, brought in or through experiences that they've had so mm. it's just that you know straight line culture impacts beliefs and beliefs well, is so what we work I agree on
0: agree with you completely agree uh, one more question is now for the younger leaders and you're probably a millennial yourself uh, but the millennial and the Gen Z leaders who have come into the corporate world have brought a f- breath of fresh air, you know, and I'm I'm from the boomers generation. And yet, when I speak to people, the needs of the younger leaders is different from the needs of the older leaders. I'd love to get your thoughts on what are some of the areas the young leaders need to be coached in. Uh,
1: so what I have seen uh, with at least Gen Z leaders, firstly, um, how do you sustain their energy and momentum towards mm. long-term goals,
2: mm. uh,
1: which don't get you immediate gratification or immediate results? Mm. Sometimes, uh, you know, they are looking for that, and if they don't get it, it just, you know, diverts their attention. That mm. I need to do something else. Mm. Um, I think second thing would be and this is amazing about them. I I, I think that they want to make a difference. Mm. It's not about themselves or job security or you know, things like that. It's more about how can I impact the world? Mm. What can I do differently? Right? I'm working, but I want to do something else. Like I remember mm. talking to someone and uh, she was like, I want to do something with my life and she wanted to become like while working become an influencer. Mm. You know, something on, on those lines and... Yep. Uh, so, working with them to understand their passions, understand what excites them, what mm. drives them, so that they can start working in those areas. Mm. I think these are two things that I have seen. Uh, Very interesting. Uh, you know, where they get coached.
0: Very interesting. So now I'm going to move to your book, which will be the last segment of our conversation. Uh, you've written a co-authored a book, which is "Don't Ask Me How I'm Doing." I'm assuming it's available on Amazon.
2: Yes.
0: And therefore, I'm going to ask all our viewers and listeners to go and check out. Snehal's book. I will also go and check it out. Uh, you also said that twelve of you have written in this book. But tell me a little bit about the book and what was your hypothesis the, when you wrote the book?
1: So uh, the main author, that's uh, Sanjay Deshpande. Um, he himself uh, is a breast, sorry, a, a brain cancer uh, survivor, mm. and it happened to him at a time when he had just gone to Harvard. And day one, he collapsed. Mm. And he had to come back for surgery, and he's deferred his uh, Harvard admissions to next year. Mm. Now, the the reason he actually he thought of the book, and then rest of us uh, joined in, is because, uh, you know, people think of cancer as pediatric, Mm. or geriatric. Mm. But what happens to people who go through it in the AYA, that's the you know adolescent and the young adult stage mm. is very different Correct. right because at that time you're you know setting off on your career you're setting off on you know meeting a partner hopefully mm.
2: Mm. Uh, settling
1: down you know there are a lot of things that are happening for you Correct. and if at that time you get cancer mm. this you know how it will impact your life um I think, you know, he just wanted to bring that out. And that really hit a chord for me. It was not about, oh my God, you know, I'm going to be transforming my life. And uh, it is just real stories of people who have it or mm-hmm. who had it and how it impacted their life. So, uh, you know, someone whose mom had it and then she got it. Uh, somebody who, you know, uh, was hoping to, you know, start her life with a partner. And, you know, she's still single right now. And, you know, how she's living her life. People with caregivers, you know, who are caregivers for their brothers, or somebody, or, you know, in terms of their loved ones, and you know, even about my life. So it, it's mm-hmm. it's raw narratives mm-hmm. of people. It's not a self help book. Mm-hmm. It is just stories of people, real experiences.
0: Amazing, amazing. And my last question to you, uh, and you know, this is for the many, many people who will listen to our conversation. Uh, what would you say are three lessons you want our viewers and listeners to take away from your own journey?
1: So, first and foremost, I'm sorry, I'm going to repeat it. Please be selfish and think of yourself.
0: Yeah.
2: Right.
1: Uh, Mm. I think the second thing I will say is you know, we always have this belief uh, that now is not the right time. Yeah. And uh, while it might be true Mm. in certain phases of life or whatever, Mm. you should always question that belief. And I had that belief that I cannot do anything till I'm cancer free.
2: Mm. Had
1: I lived on with that belief, I wouldn't be doing anything even
2: Mm. now. Mm. Right. So
1: sometimes you just need to question that belief that is this actually not the right time? Or is there something else stopping? Me,
2: mm. right?
1: you? And I think third thing, um, I don't think it works for everybody. But mm. in case you needed the attitude of gratitude. Mm. It helped me at a point when I did not think that there was any silver lining. But just seeing that silver lining at the time when I felt that everything mm. was stacked up against me. Uh, it just helped me build a sort of positive, slightly positive mindset. So mm-hmm. simple thing, like every night, try to write down at least one to five, uh, you know, things that you're grateful for. I started with barely one. I could not sometimes even think of one, but I had to push myself. And now if you ask me, I can probably list five to 10 every night. Amazing. So it, it's a phase of life. And I'm not saying it's for everyone. But if mm-hmm. you need it, you should
0: practice it. Well said. Well said. And on that note, Snehal, and your three amazing lessons. Think of yourself. That's what's most important. And I loved it when you told me earlier in the program, when you said that people think that, you know, uh, it's, it's necessary for someone who's unwell, because it's their need to be a part of everyone else's life rather than the other way around. Second, you said question the be- belief that most of us go through, which is now is not the right time. I think now is the right time to do the whatever you have to. And the third one is uh, attitude of gratitude. You also mentioned about how important it is to be to make sure that financially, you take care of your needs earlier than later, because who knows when a challenge may come up. Thank you, Snehal for speaking to me about your own journey about uh, cancer that you have you're confronting so brilliantly and I'm really looking forward to a conversation when you write to me and tell me I'm now cancer-free and we'll have another conversation on that. <laughs>
2: wow. uh,
0: thank you uh, for talking to me about coaching and thank you for talking to me about book. Don't ask me how I'm doing. Thank, thank you, 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 good
1: you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world.